The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. This week, it's all about sweets and desserts, including a nun who steals. Maria Grammatico, she was the one that went to the convent, but uh, she was able to stay only 15 years, and she opened in 1963 in Erice her own uh, pastry shop, stealing the recipe from the convent. So she was kind of <laughs> discommunicated by the church. <laughs> they were so mad of her. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with John Myers and Bart Hansen. Sam is going to drop in um, in a little bit. And we have one of our favorite guests, Jen Reichart from Raft Wines, who... Hello, Jen. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for uh, you know what? We, we got we to gotta start over, Brian. I, I can tell you have fatigue of COVID, fires, debate, everything. It's We have one of our favorite... Yes, Jen Reichart from Raft Wines on, and we're yeah. so excited to talk to her and see how she's doing. Jen, so, you look great. So, okay, so let me let me preface by saying one of the reasons that I wanted to have Jen on is because, okay, number one, we're sort of, I, I know we're probably still a little bit shell-shocked. We should let everyone know that this is, this is uh, Wednesday, the morning after the first um, presidential debate. The brawl? And, Brawls, right? Not only that, but in the middle of harvest and COVID, uh, protesting, um, everything that's going on, what fires, fires, and smoke taint, and everything. Jennifer seems to be one of these people that, at least on Instagram, seems to be holding her shit together and seems to be. <laughs> When the rest of us are bouncing around like ping pong balls in between dumpster fires, she seems to stay focused and be have her eyes on the ball, which is which is amazing. So that's one of the reasons I thought it would be good to have her on, especially right now with um, the Heroes Act and and what you know her um, relationship with restaurants and with the uh, with the wine industry. So you know, first of all, though, let's just talk about harvest. Um, I mean, you source a lot of different vineyards in a lot of different um, areas. How's harvest going for you so far? Harvest, I, uh, I, I'm sure anyone would agree that it has been a difficult vintage. Um, yeah. And it's so sad because like July 30th, I would go even a little further, you know, August 15th, it was looking like a really banner year. Um and then when those first fires broke out, it just kind of crumbled. And and to me, some of my fruit actually has been more damaged by that heat first heat wave more than anything. Uh -huh. um, so I I'm not done picking, which is crazy to say. Uh, this is now September 30th. I did my first pick August 16th. Um, I still have my rosé hanging in Mendocino. It always wow. takes forever. I know. Really? <laughs> yeah. It always takes forever to ripen. Um, and that's the, that's the Grenache up in Potter Valley? Yeah, exactly. It's always one of my last picks. Um, so I'm, you know, I picked it and I made it in 2018 where the fires were particularly bad for Potter Valley. And I did not get smoke taint that year. So because there wasn't a direct fire over the valley like there was that year, we're still going to go ahead and pick. Um, as far as my other fruit goes, um, the Viognier came in clean. It was before the, any fire started. Uh, San Giovese was within days of the fire starting and up north, so the smoke hadn't quite gotten there as aggressively yet. Um, I am not making quinoas this year. It got hit really bad from the creek fire down in the Sierras. Um, it's, yeah. it's closest town is Coarse Gold, which is right outside of Oakhurst, which got hammered by smoke. Oh, there's Sam. 
Sam the man. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Hi. Check, check, check. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, explaining my um, battle scars of Harvest and what I'm making and what I'm not. Well, and it seems like she's the new Morgan Peterson of vineyard sites, where she's spending more time in her truck than she is in the in the cellar. Yeah, yeah. One of these years, I'll figure out how to hire an assistant that can go out and do sampling for me. Um, but yeah, I'm not making the grist vineyard Syrah. They were fighting the Wallbridge fire from that that vineyard on the west side um, for several days in a row. So. While I went up there and there wasn't like any, it was weird. There, it was so close to the fire. There wasn't a lot of ash, but the grapes themselves just didn't taste like anything. It was a very strange thing. Um, and then as far as my weed vineyard goes, which is down the hill in Dry Creek and near the, was very near the Wildbush fire as well. Um, I made only one half, like a half a ton instead of three tons of Syrah just to kind of play around with okay, this is hopefully not my new normal, but I'm too young in my career to not try to figure out smoke taint and what to do with fruit. Because every, every year, if we just can't make wine, then what are we doing? So that's right. my experimental, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We're just going to play around with it. So I left it on the skins for about two days and then pressed it off. So it's not quite a rosé, but it's also not quite a red wine either. Huh. We yeah, called in, uh, in, in 1998, we called that the harvest from hell because yeah. there was rain. There was a significant amount of rain in September oh. 15th of oh. that year. Yeah. And, um, but I think this year has to be considered the harvest from hell. Um, I, I, think, <laughs> I think 98 or yeah, 89 does, has does, had to stand down. Does looking like hell outside actually right. just qualified because yeah, right. we've had I, was, I thought you were talking about me I've got my bags under my eyes <laughs> no. look but yeah quite literally the hillsides are on the fire. hillsides or yeah. like just the you know entire bay area or state of california when you know the skies turned orange i mean um but talk about that jennifer more about um some of the sort of R and D that you're doing as far as, cause I think honestly it sounds, that's like every winemaker I've talked to in yeah. 2020 is like, well, I'm going to try this thing that I've never done before. Rosemary cake breads doing uh pied de couve carbonic maceration on Rossi Grenache. Wow. <laughs> why, why the, why fuck not? Um, yeah. So it's just like, everybody's doing something crazy. You know, the two, two days on skins, anything else that has sort of, you know, got your mind running as far as how to deal with some of this? Yeah. So that vineyard um, specifically is where I make both my Antonella, the red Italian blend and the weed farm Syrah. And on August 26, it was still under evacuation, but I was able to get in on an ag permit and take a sample of both. And the Syrah came back positive for smoke taint, but that's kind of what Syrah does. Um, but the Antonella at that date, nine days into the fire, still wasn't presenting smoke taint from a great berry sample. So I ran with those that data and I picked the all of the red blend and um, picked the Syrah that was on the section right next to that, hoping that if there was smoke taint, it was going to be down by the creek where it pooled and puddled. And so I picked the sections that were on this kind of like rolling hill. And what I did, because I really, I think we're going to see a lot of 2020 rosés hit the market. Um, I really didn't want to have another rosé. So that's why I chose to do Whole, I actually did whole cluster with a Syrah uh, two days on the skin. So it's like still very interesting and textural and meaty and Syrah-like. It's just very light. So I'm hoping that it's like a really good charcuterie kind of wine, you know, because it's got some of those cool notes and flavors. Um, and it, it stands out a little bit more than just being a direct-to-press rosé. Um, I don't think you're on the call just yet when I still have fruit up in Mendocino and Potter Valley. Um, still hanging. Still hanging, still not picked. And it is my rosé, and then I'm actually making Grenache Blanc from that vineyard this year for the first time. Um, oh, this is the vineyard you pick, you always pick last, and you pick yeah. it for your rosé, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. So that, you know, we've been, um, I'm still kind of going to go ahead as, as I thought. Um, 
But then as far as experiments goes, I'm actually making a Cabernet this year because I'm down significant red fruit and my Grenache vineyard up in the foothills had extra. He had a high yield this year and um, I was like, well, if there's any time to experiment, um, this is the time. I never in my wildest imagination thought I'd make a Cabernet, but um, it's turning out to be one of my favorite ferments of the year. Um, and, wh and why, Jen? Tell us why. It just smells so beautiful. Um, it's clone 337, so that Bordeaux clone, and it just is, it's floral and white pepper, and there's not a lot of that, like, harsh green, green notes. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess you could say I'm getting re-excited for California Cabernet. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a cool, it's a biodynamic site. Um, it's up about 2,300 feet elevation, so there's just, like, a lot of really interesting things going for it, and for me, it's been nice to not have been, you know, I've had these Rhone varietals and these Italian varietals. I've never made a Bordeaux wine for a raft, but at least I'm not fully pigeonholed one way or another. So I'm hoping my consumers will be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll buy that. <laughs> but, well, um, it sounds great. I mean, <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, you know, new, new cabs. I'm enjoying them. Yeah. Lot. I had a once used um, barrel as well, just kind of ready at the waiting. And so that it was a really easy fit to go right into that. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to do that, but. Yeah. You know, Jen, the, the crazy thing about it is, Jen, is if you make wine that tastes good, usually people will buy it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah that's, that's the hope. Um, you know, it'll be, there's a lot of people in my facility, you know, punch down sellers that aren't making any reds or making very few. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what comes to market. You know, I'm not, if one of the wines that I made, especially from a smoke impacted area has smoke taint, I'm not going to release it. Like that's the risk that I'm taking was to pick it and to pay for the processing different growers. We have different kind of payment systems set up on whether they're smoke taint or not, which I'm very, very grateful for their flexibility in that, especially for people who didn't have crop insurance. Um, and so, you know, the consumers will never taste it, but you know, if it's a little smoke tape, maybe 10 gallons of it in another wine might be a nice blending component. It might not all be a wash, you know. I'm, I'm, so, I'm lucky I'm so small that I have a little bit of flexibility in, in some of those ways. Yeah, you can pivot a little bit. Um... Yeah, Bart and I were actually actually in Sam. We got to hang out a little bit yesterday, and and um, we were tasting some Zinfandel that is um, you know on the skins, and we're sort of still kind of figuring it out. Like we we weren't sure if we were actually tasting smoke or if it was or if the smoke taint in some cases might be like like you were saying more of a muting of other flavors in the wine. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know. Most of our knowledge of smoke taint is, is, at least personally for sure, about sort of acute, um, right. acute instances of like vineyards next to fire or bathed in smoke for, you know, of fresh smoke for long periods of time. And, you know, certainly some of, of the dry creek stuff sounds like that's the case. But for most of us across most of the state, frankly, at this point, yeah. Um, it's sort of this low, you know, it doesn't seem like low in our lungs, but sort of medium level intensity, long-term chronic smoke exposure. And we don't really know what that's going to do to, you know, a vineyard like where that Zinfandel came from, Bart. There was until, you know, there was no fires within miles of that until this week. Um, right. Right. You know, after you picked it. So who knows? Right? We, we just right. don't know yet. I mean, that's kind of the R&D that we're all doing. Yeah. Even if you're not doing something special right now, you're, we're all kind of going to be in, we're all part of this <laughs> great, expensive, terrible experiment. Uh, yeah. we'll see what the hell happens. And it's not over. Well, I mean, no. we're, we're in the middle of this thing. Yeah. Or at the beginning. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I think after, I think after the glass fire and, and what we experienced this week, uh, it's, it's over. over. We're done. Forget yeah, it. I mean this—the ash at Punchdown in the driveway—it looked like it had snowed. It was just white on the ground. So if you had any fruit still hanging, I just 
I let more than smoke, like, what is that ash? You know, you can't get it all off the grapes. It's going to be stuck to it. And grape juice is, as we all know, probably the stickiest substance on planet Earth. It, it, it attaches itself to anything. So, yeah. I, well, and there's definitely, like, there's, there, you can, I mean, this is true with everything. You can find the argument you're looking for. Um, and that's, I guess, true in politics and in winemaking this year, because there are those that, you know, say that it, ash is not an issue. And then there are people that say it's absolutely the issue. So, again, I think it's a matter of what we don't know. Right. I mean, just in the when I touch the ash, like in our driver in my car, opening the car handle, like the fact, like how it sticks to me and how it like stains my clothes is, I can't imagine that's good, but. I guess, yeah. you know, charcoal is a filtering agent too. So, you know, like what? <laughs> well, it's a filtering right. agent that right. also is a room, like, you know, when you have to charcoal filter, you lose something. And, right. and totally. maybe that's where some of these like muted aromas and flavors are coming from because it's just sort of, <laughs> we uh, did a, a really intense charcoal filtering of our entire state and, right. <laughs> uh, and you know maybe just 2020 everything's going to be kind of muted who knows yeah yeah it will be interesting to see but so far i can say anything that i have fermenting is still tasting positive good negative, negative for good. positive for taste <laughs> so for the whole team a question um what is the market going to look like uh Next, you know, when when the twenty twenties come out, what what are you gonna see? Cheap rosé, John. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one. A lot of <laughs> rosé. You uh, know, it's interesting because I like, I know a lot of people um, made a lot of wine the last two years, especially there was this kind of great glut that we keep talking about. Um, so I do wonder if people have enough inventory to kind of help carry them through you know what I think will be most different is like release schedules and new wines like I I won't have two Syrahs that I normally would release in the fall that I would in 2021 so now I'm looking at my current inventory and trying to really decide like do I release my on my normal schedule now or do I hold some stuff back or how do I make my inventory lasts so that I have enough revenue to pay for 2021 harvest. You know, I don't have a million dollar bank account to pay for every year, you know, it's kind of like year to year and that's how I continue my growth. So if I'm taking quite a big hit this year, potentially up to a whole third of my production, which is very small, um, how do I, how do I continue the growth and, and direction that I want to go in? I think that that's, yeah, I think that's what everybody's, the, the mental math that is keeping every winemaker and winery owner asleep, awake at night right now is, uh, and asleep during the day, um, yeah. <laughs> is, um, you know, how do you stretch 18 and 19? Fortunately, I think m many of us, uh, especially this is, you know, maybe the, one of the hidden blessings of the, you know, COVID shutdowns, you know, the lack of restaurant sales is going to yeah. help us stretch 18 and 19. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of 2020 reds, um, you know, single vineyard, interesting stuff. I think you're going to see a lot of experimental stuff and cheap rosé. I think, you know, 2021 yeah. will be a year for um, wine consumers to experiment in the same way that, that wineries are experimenting now because, um, you know, find something made in one of these crazy ways that worked that you like because um, you might have to be drinking a lot of that in the future. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, we're going to be do we're, if we're dealing with this. There's going to be what the you know a lag time for sure, but an ed re education of the wine consumer that this is what you know you got to do in California. Yeah, I think transparency is going to be key to really telling people like what this is like. I don't want to try to fool anybody. I'm going to be really honest and make them trust us and trust that we're going to release wine that is good. Right. Is it a year well, where harvest dates matter more than ever before? Like what yeah. day was this fucking wine harvested on? Yeah. You know, in that text sheet. Well, it used to be right in the old days that like you could talk about, oh, this was a fire year. So how do I stretch my inventory? Not thinking that, you know, next year is going to be a fire year as well. But now you can't even count on that. You're thinking it could be the new normal unless 
like Donald Trump suggests that we all get out our vacuum cleaners and dustbusters and head out into the forests and clean up the forest floor, then this is, we're basically even doing have ourselves. Dustbusters still a thing? I, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I mean, I, I don't know, I'm looking at. I'm looking at the ash on my windowsill. I think I need one, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think the shop vac is that we, we got a shop vac. That's like the new yeah, dustbuster because totally. you need something a little more industrial. Yeah, totally. Kids, fuck. Or winery. Yeah. <laughs> or working yeah. vineyard. Or dogs. Okay, so ducks probably require the use of shop backs on a pretty regular basis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about climate change. If if um, let's talk know, about it since the oh, fucking right, debate barely um, did. Well, and I was actually surprised <laughs> that it did get brought up because I we, we were originally told that there was going to be no questions on climate change, and so that when it did come up, sort of pricked up my ears, like, oh wait a minute, I didn't think we were going there. Yeah. And then for it to be about uh, basically it was blame. It was blaming us for the wildfires saying that we're not maintaining our forests in some way. Um, but but it, <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead, Sam. I'm, I was kind of speechless. I, um, um, I, you know, the forest management concept that keeps coming up isn't entirely wrong. It's wrong the way that they're saying it. And, you know, when they say forest management, when, when somebody who, who is a governmental official representing big industry says forest management, what they really mean is that we should fucking log more and do more clear cutting. And, and that's about as far from what needs to happen as possible. That said, um, we have not done what was done for millennia before white people got here, um, which is actually intentionally burn most of the state on a fairly regular basis um, right. and, you know, maintain a, a forest ecology that has been, you know, um, basically lost for the last 150 years. Um, so, yes, we need forest management. Um, we need it more than ever now that climate change forces us into these situations. Um, you know, we can't keep fighting these fires the way they are. It's not working. You know, the glass fire had every airplane it could have possibly had all day on Sunday and still jumped Napa Valley and was in Santa Rosa in four hours. Like, yeah. there's, you know, more firefighters, great. We need them, more planes, we need them. Uh, but we need to do a better job of protecting ourselves proactively. Um, just right. Is, you know. It's like a Band-Aid will stop the bleeding for now, right. but right. why not? Cut, like, <laughs> cut the inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel the same way as Sam. Like, I mean, we both grew up here, and this has been our homes our entire lives, and I never, well, one, never remember fire season ever being a thing. Sure, there have been fires, um, but not one that we go into September with doom and dread. Um, and secondly, like the, the temperatures, the daily temperatures, the amount of degree days that we're having over 85, 90, 95, 100 degrees is crazy. You know, I grew up in downtown Paloma where consistently it's like sucked in with fog and we're just not seeing that, especially in the last two years. It's it's always been kind of like this little safe haven of cool pocket of Sonoma County. And it's just been hot, like truly hot. Um, and I think that is, you know, we need the forest management, but if you want to talk about climate change, there's the, it's the temperature and the extreme droughts and exacerbating poor management, you know? Um, I, yeah. You just mentioned I, I, I was agriculture just... on every show. I mean, that's right. That's got to be a piece of this. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, regenerative agriculture, bringing it back to control, control burns. I do like have vague recollections of more control burns happening. Um, you know, working with agriculture and industry here to try to figure out like which months of the year is better. Like obviously a control burn in September in Napa Valley would be really bad but could we figure out ways to do that in june and july where the smoke might not be right. so impactful on the both the industry of making the wine but also the tourism and how everybody is making money you know i think november november and december yeah one, one crop i've we've shown is not 
smoke uh, is not is not subject to smoke is olives so if you have olives on the tree you can still do control burns olives, olives and 17 the 17 olive oil from my parents house which was surrounded by fire yeah um, was the one of the best vintages of olive oil hmm. we'd ever made so you know smoke resistant crops and kind of playing yeah. on that i think but i think that's a great point though jennifer about about ag um, and working with ag and, and whether it's from the regenerative side or, um, you know, from just sort of coordinating, but also, you know, most of certainly Sonoma County and most of the state, um, you know, these ag areas, it's privately owned land. Landowners right. have a responsibility that their piece of the forest um, is, is a healthy ecology and, right. and forest health, you know, you're talking about forest management, it's not burning and cutting only it's it's about forest health and um you know obviously climate change and the temperatures are a huge piece of that but uh, a healthy forest doesn't burn the way um you know the mayakamas mountains burned on on sunday night and monday morning Just, right you know. well, fields are being uh hailed as you know a great fire break this year too and i've heard a lot of talk about that you know they're green they're full of water they're not burning so it's a good break sometimes yeah I mean, that's, and that's a piece of it is we can protect ourselves, you know, our communities with agriculture on the perimeters instead of housing right into it. Um, right. You know, whether it's a, even if it's a vineyard that burns, it's going to burn slower than a neighborhood full of dry grass and trees. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's definitely a whole lot of like sort of systemic rebuilding of the way that we think of these things that, um, has got to, has to come from this. We've done this for five years in a row and we, just, we can't keep doing it. Yeah. I started wrapped in 2016 and literally have not had a normal heart. Wow. <laughs> That's a tough startup. It really is. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, 16 wasn't bad. 16, no, 16 was a great year. Yeah. Great 16 was good. Then 17. But there were, yeah. But in 16, there were fires in places other than here. I mean, yep. there were definitely fires in in sixteen. Yeah. Um, right. So, Lake County. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was the the big Lake County, uh, South Lake County part. Yeah, Valley fire. So I can't even keep track of the fucking names of them anymore. Jen, you said you have uh, that uh, <laughs> the field up in um, Mendocino. What's the what's uh, going on up there? Uh, is it on fire like here or? Um, the August complex is very big um it has been burning for a long time but it's i don't even like to say but because it's still a very big deal it's just in a very underpopulated area so i think we're just not hearing about it um the vineyard itself is we think going to be fine um but it just keeps kind of going then there was the willets fire as well but that is uh that was kind of like hot and heavy and then it's it's out already um but that was that was during the days where we had the big apocalyptic um smoke event here in the entire bay area and oh, I, that you know, day that day <laughs> which uh, one of those days <laughs> right uh so it was that was like no one really knew if that was coming from the world's fire or if it was all the way from the creek fire or because at that point the Wallbridge fire here in the county was not out out but much lower and so yeah yeah and jen you're not only you know trying to sell wine but i mean you're still part of the family biz so you guys are trying to sell ducks too i think um you said you had just gotten out of the walk-in you guys have started to freeze some stuff because you're just not selling to restaurants like you like you used to yeah um, yeah so we dropped um so ducks takes nine weeks to raise. So the first week of the pandemic, that middle week of March, we dropped our production by 40%. Um, and basically at 60%, that's just the amount of product we need to pay for our fixed costs, you know, employees, rent, processing, gas, all those sorts of things. Um, so that took nine weeks to hit. So the first two months, we were full production with no way to stop. Um, which was a big drain financially. Um, and we froze a lot of product during that time. And so we're hoping that we can find different avenues for that. And there's some that have popped up. And then I could use now, a duck. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. It has been a while. I know everyone was really good. Um, you know, we started a DTC program with the Ducks, which we had never had before, uh, the weekend before the official lockdown. Um, and that was great. We've, I've now got like website 2.0. That's a little bit more user friendly, um, which has helped a lot. And, um, just did my first like Instagram partnership with a cookbook writer who sent it out like a, you know, 10% discount code to her followers, you know, and that was, that made yesterday be a below average day to a way above average day as far as the consumer side. Um, it's a lot more work for us, you know, packaging one or two ducks in a box is almost the same as packaging 10 yeah, to a restaurant. Right. Um, so it's, it's a lot more of that, but on the same side, we haven't had to let anyone go. Um, and we've kept our full staff this entire time, even down that much from production. So, you know, yeah. Have you ever, have you thought about, I mean, um, doing like some YouTube videos with recipes just <laughs> and even yeah. maybe putting them out on your raft website and um, you know just to get people to hey here's some things that you can do with duck that maybe you've never had it before or if right. you have here's some different things that you can do yeah I um I've been joking this entire time it's like a sick cruel joke that like if we were in France or in China where duck is consumed regularly we probably wouldn't be in this position but because it's a little bit of a lesser known protein um especially for home consumption um right it's just been a different thing you know a lot of people they're very keen to eat it at a restaurant but uh see stuff man just locked in stuck to ed sliding um but they're not, they don't maybe necessarily know how to cook it at home so yeah we're <laughs> it seems like every time i'm about to get like stable in something and to do some of that programming something else another bomb goes off <laughs> yeah pretty much so it's like you know we fixed it we did the pandemic we were like barely scraping by putting together all the pieces i relaunched the website like figure out how to do all that then harvest starts way early the fire that it's just like kind of never ending and then this last week we've moved our office of 15 years to a new location so just been perfect timing, perfect <laughs> timing. <laughs> I, I mean i i gotta admit in our household duck is an intimidation factor yeah, it's, and it's sad because it's like it, duck breast is like cooking a good steak, you know, it's like cooking filet mignon. You just don't want to overcook it, but it's really good and it's really simple. Yeah. And as far as the protein goes, the meat itself is really lean, um, right. so it's healthy. But we've actually started, for people like you, Bart, uh, we started making duck sausages. So they're a <sighs> really awesome way to make duck, to eat duck, um, but takes a little bit of that like intimidation factor out. I though think that cooking a duck leg is the easiest meat to cook. You literally put it in a pan, salt, pepper on both sides, one hour and 15 minutes at 425 degrees in your oven and that's literally it. Just walk away. Or I buy, uh, I buy frozen confit leg thigh combos at Sonoma Market and just yeah. toss them in a pan, sear them and they're ready. It's awesome and we eat yeah. a lot of that. You know, yeah. fucking beans. You should do a promo with Steve Sando. Yeah. <laughs> oh, from Rancho we've Gordo. Been, yeah. We've been Twitter messaging, especially like last night. There's been like stuff back and forth. But well, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. The the one promo that we just did was with um, a lady. Her name is Michelle Tam. She wrote a cookbook called Nom Nom Paleo. And it's oh, kind yeah. of. Yeah, us, yeah. <laughs> so it was super fun. I, you know, we're getting all these like consumer orders and I, I, a lot of them kind of come in and out. Even when my friends order, I just get on robo email and I'm like, we'll send it this day. We will uh, deliver this day. And so I didn't quite notice it. And then all of a sudden I get this or Instagram tag uh, for the Liberty Ducks account. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I click on it and I'm like, oh my gosh, like she has almost half a million followers on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Steve Sando uh, is like that. Rancho Gordo has rabid following. Yes. I mean, he yeah. runs out of beans and then people are like clamoring, like, when can we get him next? So like that, that would be fun. Um, yeah. I've always said like, well, not always, because we don't really know what's going to happen. But now that we have made it to 
the fall, even though we're heading into another heat wave, you know, duck is like you're saying, John, like you have it castle, like cassoulet style, you know, with beans and like really hearty cold weather dishes, if you will. Um, so we've, you know, the sausages have been nice because that was good for grilling season. If, you know, we're talking about seasons like California changes all that much, but um, it is definitely easier to eat some like heartier meats when it's cooler. So I've, I've been saying like, if we can make it to the holidays, which we're very close, then, you know, a lot of people are going to consume, um, you know, duck this year, maybe Thanksgiving, obviously with the pandemic, it's going to be different. People aren't going to buy a 25 pound turkey because who are you going to be? Right. right. Nobody's <laughs> going to be there to eat. And, yeah. You so, know, 40 pounds of turkey. Well, right. then, then yeah. duck Six is the up. way to go. Seriously. <laughs> you know, we actually did, we did duck for our Thanksgiving last year in normal times, 2019, when everything seemed better. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? I love the turkey's fine, but duck with the lineup of like Thanksgiving foods mm -hmm. and it also sort of like opens up the wine possibilities a little mm -hmm. bit more uh, for Thanksgiving. Um, you know, even if you are breaking the rules and having a big Thanksgiving, just cook two of them or you yeah. can cook and then you can do it like, you know, different ways. You can, you can have your like one on the grill smoking some in the, some in the oven and cook some legs or something. It's, there's definitely, I don't know. It's a lot more versatile than a Turkey. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. It's a, a little bit more tastier. This message brought to you by the Anti-Turkey <laughs> anti Coalition. <Yeah. laughs> Liberty Duck. Right. We've, we've got a few turkey farmers in our area, too. We do. We do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. We like the turkey farmers. <laughs> oh, Hold on. Time out. Okay. okay. Um, Duck break. And, a, and another barking dog that isn't one of ours. Yeah. <laughs> Just put that out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, Bart, you're right. Um, you know, duck is kind of like veal or lamb. I, when people would come in and, and they ask for recommendations of stuff that's on the menu, I would always say to them, okay, what do you, do you cook duck at home? Do you cook lamb at home? And when they say no, I'm like, then, then that's what you should eat when you go out to a restaurant. Like, don't order a burger when you have these interesting things on the menu like order something that you're intimidated by and and honestly yeah. once you once you confit duck for the first time um you probably oh, yeah. it'll be something oh, yeah. that you'll want to do all the time because it's hard yeah. when the when the chefs do it at work and they have it sitting out and it's cooling i i dare you to not walk by and stick your hands in it and start picking meat off the bone it's like <laughs> next to impossible it is addictive it's so yeah. good. And it's one of those stupid slow and low things where you're just putting it in the oven and letting it cook in its own. It's rendering in its own right. fat. Like it's so yeah. good. Right. Yeah. Well, duck is a relatively new product for America. I mean, I used to, I'd bring canned confit back from France every trip because I, could, I couldn't <laughs> get it here. Uh, nobody was oh. making it. Nobody was serving it. And then That's all what of a sudden I want to do is a can. I want to, I need to find a oh. processor who do that for me. Oh, man. Uh, can I'll tell van. you. The, I wonder the, if the can van would do that. I know, right? <laughs> you get your, you know, have like one day do wine and the next day do duck. Yeah. Slime yeah. <laughs> well, off the line so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys know who would sell it. Wine first. I mean, at Valley Bar and Bottle, they're doing canned fish. Do you think they'd right. be into doing canned duck, right? With a cool. If you go, like, I totally cut John off, and I like took that. <laughs> <laughs> he left the room. Um, <laughs> but you know, we go into. I've been lucky to travel to places in France, and you go into a grocery store, and they have six different types of like canned or jarred confit, like we would have canned hot dogs or whatever, you know, or tuna, little, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I grew up eating duck, but the duck I grew up eating was you had to, you know, get the lead shot out of it when you, Jennifer, this is a can, a oh, four yeah. pound can of, exactly. of duck. Wait, did you, did you say a four pound can? Yeah, I brought this back from France. I still haven't eaten it. So yeah, yeah I mean, and I these are, these are phenomenal yeah. better than anything you can possibly get cooked here in the united states and it's because they're in this can i mean they've just been sitting in there and yeah you know that and i think i think you can buy these now here but before i was having to get them in zaybars in new york city in little oh, wow. tiny tins you know so yeah I'm happy you know with this. my my 
my one of my aunts used to always throw a Christmas party when you had Christmas parties and she worked in San Francisco and she would go down and buy what she called a number 10 can of Dungeness yep. crab legs. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And we would just sit there and just poke crab legs like that. So, um, yeah, it's amazing what you can get in cans if you look hard enough. Yeah. And weren't we just talking about that yesterday as well, Bart, with those cans that you were looking at for the uh, wine? Right. Do you want yeah. to? <laughs> like, no. So this year, no, because okay. of the grape blood, I was hoping to do, I was literally talking to our friends have Griffo Distillery and they have a canning line. And I messaged her and was like, there are some cheap grapes out there. I can figure out processing. Let's start a can project. So much fun. And then like, literally she emailed me back with her pricing and like all that. And it just was like, poof. Uh, Bulk market so, gone. <laughs> Grapes so, burn. But Griffo's has but Griffo's has a can line, huh? Yeah. They have a canning line. Yeah. Um, sorry. Cell phone. This is my life. I wanna the, the people listening can't see this, but I have one cell phone, two cell phones, three cell phones. Is that like personal cell phone, raft cell phone, duck cell phone? Is that what we got going? So, this is my personal. It's got a picture of my husband and I on our wedding day. <laughs> my personal cell phone um, that has a raft phone number linked to it. This is our duck text line, and then because we just moved, our landline is move was moved to a mobile phone. So because the bill for a landline was three hundred dollars a month, but for a mobile phone, it's thirty five dollars a month. Quick, oh. Jennifer, get the duck line. Wait, I, I want to know more about. Yeah, I want to know more about the duck text line. Oh what can, yeah. What can you text? What what can you text the duck? You know, yeah. you got you'd be surprised what I get text. Uh, duck autocorrect is not uh, not safe for work sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I usually have the opposite hmm. problem where I'm usually not texting about ducking things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of D's with an I, and then there's a lot of F's with a U-C-K. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's, oh my God. It's kind of funny when I get those texts or emails and I'm like, sure, we can get you the duck leg. <laughs> I can feel the embarrassing red face on the other side. Like people are like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> it's always a good giggle. <laughs> I need, I need 10 autocorrects delivered to my restaurant stat. Yeah, yeah. It's a good time. But, so, uh, but yeah, I can't like say uh, uh, where I was going with that maybe more innocently than I realized uh, or less innocently than I realized was more like, you know, I'm um, at home at 6.15. I have these duck legs in the oven and I'm not exactly sure what to do. Can I text the duck line then and be like, hey, help me in this? No, that's, it's just no. purely for ordering. Okay. <laughs> that would mean I would be working you see? 24 hours a day yeah. versus like the probably 18. 19, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I don't think uh, duck, I don't see duck dad saying, it's all right, Jen, I got this one. Yeah. <laughs> he's still some, oh, I'm glad he's out of the room right now. He's going to kill me. He still has a hard time trying to figure out how to open the damn thing. So <laughs> the problem is they're all three different. One's an iPhone, one's a uh samsung and one's a motorola so they're all i was gonna say they looked like they were different you're glutton yeah. for punishment yeah pretty much pretty much so and that means three different bills too right um yes actually yesterday i spent probably cumulative two hours on the phone with at&t trying to cancel old lines reroute new or old lines to here I need to merge some wireless stuff. So um, we're trying to get it down to the life of a winemaking farm, duck farming, small business owner. Right. What did you do yeah. yesterday in the middle of harvest and duck season? Well, spent three hours on the phone with the telephone company. Fought with yeah, there was, yeah. There was one like two days ago. I couldn't even get the line transferred because I just kept on getting people that had no idea what I was talking about. And yesterday I got these amazing representatives on the phones but one of them she stayed with me for over an hour trying to she had to couldn't find the right account person to get this transfer for our 800 number and it's just like oh my god there has to be an easier way all right jen let's um first of all how do people get a hold of your wines 
Like, um, sure. <laughs> let's sell wine and sell ducks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the wine is at raftwines.com, or if you're real, real fun and exciting, you can go to drink.raft.wine. Which I wait, wait, okay, wait a minute. If you're real exciting and fun, wait, what does that mean? So people under 30? <laughs> no, no, no. A lot of people aren't used to uh, URLs that don't end in like .com, .org, .gov, whatever. But we, I have .wine for all of my stuff. So Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. I've yeah. never and seen .wine. Yeah. How cool it's is fun, that? fun, right? Fun and exciting. Uh, <laughs> Says guy um, over 50. <laughs> we'll be going to rack.com. Thank you very much. Yeah. And um, if people want to follow you on Instagram, and, and are you still doing a discount for people that are registered to vote? Um, yeah, so on my website, the extra 25% is now over, but I still have the pre-made voter cases um so it's 20 25 30 or 35 percent if you get a whole case um of like a pre put together voter case um and then wait what's in a vote case. yeah what's in a voter case what's in a voter case the voter case is only blue wine <laughs> i know right no red wine <laughs> no red wine it, it is a largely red wine okay but there's some of the like my, it's like a really good um, mix. Like you could have a dinner party with the wines that are in there. So it's two grist Syrah, two weed farm Syrah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. In the 12 pack, it's four and four of those. And then two of the um, Kunwas. And then two of the new wine that I just released this year. Uh, the Et All, it's a new brand, Peak Pool. Um, Thank you, Sam, for getting me a bottle because he knows that I'm a huge Pig Pool fan. So uh, the bottle actually showed up showed up at the hotel one day. I got a text saying, "Come out to the driveway," and it was Jasmine. Jasmine dropping off that wine, and I went over and who was it? It was uh, Saul Gropman, um, Ann Moller Roque, and TJ, the winemaker at Domaine Carneros, were all having dinner. And I lovingly brought in my bottle and I said, this is what you get me if you really know me. <laughs> they they were like, that. whatever. Because <laughs> they're drinking their 2013 Pinot. <laughs> I'm like, this oh is what God. makes me happy right here. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. It's saying, thanks, Amber. You're welcome. Oh, that makes me real happy. <laughs> Shout yeah, out to I, uh, Sally and Gwen at Miracle Plum. Right. They are just the loveliest gals over there, that's for sure. And I'm yeah. loving that you know, it's it's hard to sell, well, everyone knows it's hard to sell wine, and I, I love that they're so interested in supporting this community, and the people that they have in there are so knowledgeable, like, if you're ever curious about natural wines, like, go in and talk to them, because they just have such a good, they're just such a good resource for Sonoma County and Santa Rosa, yep. um, and yeah, the people has been very, very, very fun. I'm so thrilled about that wine. So I'm glad it's making its way into loving hands. And we're loving your face mask. You're, um... <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> White Bark Workwear. You got your White Bark on. Got <laughs> my White Bark on. Yep. This mask has actually been lovely. You know, it's comfortable, organic hemp. What's not to like? Um, made in, made in yeah, Los Angeles. You know, yeah, yeah. I, if we would just, as a community, I mean, it's listening to the CDC and they're saying like, if you wear the masks, you like, it will be faster to stop than a vaccine would be to, to curb all of this. And it's just, it's the simplest thing. It's just empathy and compassion for other humans. And yeah, um, the, the mocking last night, it was mocking Joe Biden for saying, oh, if he was 400 feet away, he'd be wearing a mask this big. And I'm like, why are you not wearing a mask? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like, obviously, there's certain situations where you cannot wear them. Like, it's really hard to taste your fermenting wine through a mask. But it's a matter of tasting, spitting into a cup, and putting it right back on, you know, like, really mitigating the exposure to people in your in nearby areas you know I, 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 I'm sad that we've kind of lost that 
we're all in this together way. But, yeah. yeah. No, the, the yeah, I made the mistake one night of having yeah, um, a white park mask shot. So, so there we go. Oh, <laughs> keep talking. I'm doing this for Instagram. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was I was eating celery with blue cheese dip one night and I so I had to take off my mask and took a bite and some of the blue cheese dripped down onto my mask. Oh, and no. then I wiped it off, but for the next four hours I was just it was blue cheese. <laughs> yeah, I uh picking grapes, you know, out on the, the bins pulling leaves and stuff, I'll have the mask on and then, you know, trying different sections. So I'll like do the same thing where you're like pulling it to the side very quickly and putting it back on. Um, but then the inside of the mask just got like all the little grape leaves and sticky pieces. And then I'm like, touching my face afterwards in the car, like, oh God, my pores look really rough for a while there. Masks, harvest masks are like, you can only do that with one for one day. If, yeah. you, if you pick in your mask, you cannot wear the mask really even after that later in the day. That's no. like the sweat, the dirt, the grape yeah. juice, the... <laughs> Uh, it's just like a i was wearing mine one day and after picking and somebody's like wow that mask is so cool it looks like your mouth is imprinted on the outside of the mask and, and i took it off and it like didn't leave it was it was just like it like molded to my face uh and yeah you wear a mask one day and, and you have to wash it after yeah or else you get this this mask knee oh yeah we got some like right the beard beard probably helps. It, but yeah <laughs> um but yeah it's uh i hope next year i hope next time i talk to you guys well hopefully i'll see you all in person soon that right. we uh we just get past this for all of our sakes and yeah. i don't i don't know how any businesses are going to keep going if we're going to be doing this for forever and you know write letters make phone calls we got to get the heroes act passed we the restaurants yes. need help so um it's finally made it to the next step which is amazing they're yeah. actually entertaining it now why don't you explain that brian and, well uh, <laughs> i mean the, the heroes act but inside it is the restaurants act which is going to be which is going to be help for restaurants which are are going and, and it's not only just traditional restaurants that you would think of small restaurants Ch chains won't be um um able to get it at first for i think like the first 14 days or something like that but it's even I thought about it the other day when I heard that Disney was cut was um, letting go of 28,000 employees. And I was wondering how many of those were in the food service side. I mean, you have to figure at least half. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's yeah. 14,000 people right there when you're talking about amp, even like Amtrak letting go of people. Well, on like, on, there's got to be some people that serve concessions on it. It's like it, it goes down into all these little, it trickles yeah. down so far. <laughs> And like Sandra was saying when she was um, um, talking last week, you know, Sandra Bernstein from The Girl in the Fig, it's, it's then affecting the, the people that are making the wine, the people that are making the cheese, the people that are growing your produce, the people that are farming your ducks or cows. I mean, whatever it is, it's just trickling down. And it's, um, I mean, Neiman Marcus is letting people go. There's all these companies are going to be filing for bankruptcy unless we get them some help. And when watching Sandra testify last week, it actually was... It was, I thought she was going to cry and I was almost going to cry because when you look at people who are so passionate about something, have done something for so long that they're passionate about and for it all to just be crumbling in front of them is, is heartbreaking. And, yeah. and a lot of them are, they're just sort of at their wits end of, you know, is this even worth it anymore to do what we're doing? So they, they need help. They need financial assistance to keep things going, to keep employees employed. Because basically right now you're performing a community service and we're doing the same thing at the hotel. You know, we're probably making some money on the rooms, but as far as food and beverage is going with the way that we're serving outside and then with the weather changing pretty yeah. soon and us, if we're not able to go inside, it's mm -hmm. gonna be hard. If we are able to go inside, it's only gonna be at 25% or, you know, maybe pushing 30% um, um, capacity, restaurants run at 80% to turn profits. So you can't do it at those levels. So right. if, if you want your restaurants to stay around, continue to order ducks, continue to, to order curbside pickup, yeah. go visit them if they have outside spaces that you're able to, to do now, but keep them going, keep them alive. But more importantly, let's, let's vote. And let's get in touch mm -hmm. with the people in power and let them know that we need some help. Because 
It seems like they're just children yelling at each other. It's two four-year-olds in a sandbox that just no one wants to give in to the other side. And it's, it's, it's disgusting, honestly, to watch that these people are supposed to be representing us and they're going home to their big homes with their nice cars and they're not in any worry of, of suffering or their family losing anything. Yeah, well, they're so out of touch. Completely, completely out, out of touch. touch with what's going on. And it's getting to the point where, you know, I, I'm not <clears throat> typically political, especially on social media, but it's gotten to the point where you have to, it, it's to that point. You got to stand up, you got to say something and you got to call it out what it is. It's, it's honestly, it's disgusting. And last night was a perfect example of it. It's the bully in the room going over, kicking sand in your face, insulting your mother, and then giving you a wedgie and then punching you in the arm. And that's supposed to be leadership. So I think we're all sort of done with that and we want to see something different. We're ready for a change, for sure. For sure. So where are you guys getting your takeout meals, Brian? Where are you going, uh, Bart? Are you going out? So um, we actually went to Del Santina last Friday night and sat oh. on the patio there. Um, I had lamb because it's something I never cook at home. Yep. Um, it, it, it was delicious. Um, and they were busy. Um, but they were busy at that capacity, you know, and, and that's not busy enough for them. Um, you know, other than that, we, we go out Friday night, we get dinner out and I think we've hit every single restaurant in Sonoma Valley several times now. Um, and we'll continue to do that because normally we would go out to dinner and if they don't have an outside patio, then we're getting and bringing it home. Um, and that, and that's, and that's what we can do. So. Sam. Oh, Sam, we've lost you on sound. Sam, you're on mute. I, I okay, muted so they didn't have the phone. <laughs> um, dog was barking, phone was ringing, Paul was talking, the whole deal. Um, we, I think we've pretty much gone everywhere <laughs> in Sonoma. Uh, you know, with, with my schedule and, you know, an 18-month-old at home, there's been a lot of to go for our house. Uh, mm -hmm. Hit the fig, hit a, a bunch of times. Um, apparently, on Saturday night, my brother-in-law picked up our order um, from street social and they told him that that was the eighth time that I'd ordered from street social. So nice. you get, you get the gluten free, uh, gluten -free fried, chicken. fried chicken. I mean, it's like something that doesn't really exist in the natural world anywhere else. <laughs> free fried chicken. So when you right. can get it, you can get it. Um, they've done a great job. Um, we have eaten out uh, on the pier at Nick's Cove. Actually, we did that oh. last night. Cool. Um, you know, a couple times you drive out, get, you know, fresh air, sit in the fog and just be like cold and wet after being in a heat wave and smoke is like the most healing thing. And so you do a little Dylan Beach with the dog and then, okay. so Dylan Beach with the dog and then you go, you know, 15 minutes south to Marshall and basically like the first thing in Marshall uh, is Nick's Cove little they have some I think they have some like cottages or rooms for rent mm -hmm. um, yeah. bar and restaurant with this pier out into Tamales Bay so um, it seems like if you're going to eat out it's a pretty pretty safe place to be doing that um, you know room for Althea to run around on the pier a little bit and um, you know you're dog not friendly dog friendly yeah dog friendly take your dog sit out there um, and they inside they had people like and maybe it was like a covered porch or something we they didn't go in there a but covered area and trying to think of like what could open yeah. up because it's also it's marin county so maybe things are slightly different in marin yeah. than they are in sonoma i don't i don't really know we didn't need inside um but had a cock you know to go cocktails are fine making one at home is great when you have a cocktail from a bar in a glass with a straw and ice like delivered to your you know yeah. to your table this that's pretty hard to beat yeah. Luxurious for sure. And they make their own tonic too. So it's a gin and tonic. Oh, and, and while you're out there on the coast, I just want to say go hit Casino Bar and Grill. Go see Mark. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. We've done that a couple of times. I was going to say, that's, that's where we've been going. Yeah. Hey, and a, a shout out to uh, Ari and the crew at the Glen Ellen Star. You know, they're doing a thing um, cooking pizzas for for the firemen. And um, it, it's amazing. I think he only started this yesterday. They had a goal of $25,000 and they've already hit $33,000 in that's pizzas awesome. for, for the wow. uh, like a go firemen. Fund and for that? It's a GoFundMe that's okay. going right now. Yeah, um, I think it's so, in there you know, Twitter and in their Instagram bio, right? So if you're looking, it if is. you're looking, all, you're listening, you're looking. It's all on all their to, socials. Yeah. 
And shameless plug for the Fairmont, we had 60 rooms last night um, of firefighters. So it was, wow. it's, it's funny to see a picture of the driveway. It's all fire trucks. Oh man, that's amazing. So that's they, you were on fire, man. They rolled in Brian. at all different times of the night, but they all had to, I think they all checked out at 6 a.m. because they were back to it. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I took Dane to swimming. I took Dane to swimming yesterday and I drove by the Fairmont after and there were fire trucks everywhere. And then there were <laughs> firemen walking the streets of, of uh, boys uh, everywhere. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's like the safest place in Sonoma right now is the Fairmont. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I drove past a truck in Santa Rosa yesterday from Alameda. And honestly, when I see a firefighter truck, like not at the fire, I just start crying in the car. Just like. Yeah. And are. give you know, roll your window down and give them the thumbs up. I mean, yeah, that's all, I, I yeah. did. do. I was at a gas station during the Walbridge fire and I saw one, someone who was filling up a, a his the truck and I was like thank you <laughs> yeah yeah that's huge just something small like that is a big deal yeah I mean just being gracious being gracious and being kind I think yeah. that it's uh, important words to live by right now and and Bart I see that you have officially received your black wine guy t-shirt yep <laughs> that's shout awesome out MJ shout out to MJ still rolling along um any any shout outs you want to give jen um to anyone now's time oh um we've been really we've gotten spinster sisters takeout a couple times which was really great uh they do a family meal option that i really really like and then um the shuckery in downtown petaluma jasmine's kicking it if you like what it's such a beautiful courtyard to sit out and next to hotel petaluma it really feels like truly european and i've been impressed with downtown petaluma in general you know here in central market and all these people along the river it's if you're comfortable sitting um outside and eating it's a really beautiful place for a nice evening while we still have the weather to do so um and then down in san francisco actually it was quite a treat i got the progress and brought it home and it was just chef's kiss, um, amazing. But people like them and Mr. Jews and the Morris have really kept us going. They've been almost ordering their normal amount of ducks week in and week out for their takeout options. So super grateful for, for them. Um, and anyone that we're selling to right now, I can't name them all, but we're very thankful for our restaurants that have hung on with us. Yeah, and if you're in Petaluma, obviously some good restaurants. Another one I know is a favorite of Bart or Bart's mom is Sugo um, Trattoria, um, which is my friend Annette, who's her and her husband Peter are running that place. And if you go there on Tuesdays and get the bruschetta, it's like a slamming deal. Um, so anyone else? Um, Pearl in Petaluma, too, if anyone's not Pearl. been there. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The fine, like, Mediterranean, like, Israeli couscous and shakshukra and stuff like that. Oh. Just so good. Anyway, I could go literally on and on and on and on and on. Um, on my Liberty Ducks <laughs> Instagram, which is just at Liberty underscore Ducks, I am reposting people who are serving the ducks. So I just, I haven't created any original content for that account. It's just like anyone, consumers too, but mostly like the restaurants who are serving it right now, really trying to direct people who maybe like Bart don't know or don't want to cook it at home. Um, <laughs> tell them how to still Bart, We got to get you cooking duck, man. I know, it's we do. We, it's not hard. I did, I I did like even a complicated looking uh, Mark Bittman duck breast recipe. This like duck breast porchetta kind of style. Um, and it's easy. I, could, I, I didn't fuck it up. You can do it. Yeah. I have faith in you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jen, we appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, we know Sam. you got a billion things going on. I do appreciate that. Thank you guys <laughs> for having me. It's nice to see and talk to some familiar faces. I think, you know, the community is really the only thing that is getting us through this time right now. You know, without each other's support, what are we doing? So yeah. I really appreciate it. And good luck with the rosé harvest coming up in the next month sometime i don't know maybe november who knows maybe maybe it was sitting at like 18 bricks last uh, thursday so we're getting close perfect where do you want it 23 20 if it hits 20 we're 20? good honestly if it goes too much longer i'm i'm okay with 19.5 truthfully but uh um like the ph hasn't skyrocketed it's still sitting like right around three so 
Like an email. All right, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> you, all you listeners, we appreciate you. If you uh, want to check out some of the past episodes, go to radiomisfits.com backslash the winemakers. We are officially the number nine wine podcast <laughs> in the world to listen to. Woo, woo. <laughs> we so, take that, Levy. We're coming for you, buddy. We are, we are uh, the, the winemaking blowtorch of radio. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Baby, yeah. <laughs> Pumping more wattage into your cottage. <laughs> that's a oh. real one. I'm not oh. kidding. That is a real that slogan. Is, that's yeah. some drive time <laughs> shit right there, John. <laughs> hey. Uh, All right. And Jen, we'll post um, um, places in the show notes for people to get a hold of you and follow you on Instagram as well as get a hold of some of the ducks. And maybe even uh, we'll poke um, Steve Sando and tell him he's got to get over and, and there you go. do some sort there of video. video don't forget you guys. your cans. Eat, eat more forget- duck, drink more wine, and subscribe and review, right? That's the closing message here. There you, there you go. go. I like it. That's what our hashtag is hashtag feed people duck. Eat more, more duck. duck. There we go. <laughs> Four points. All right, guys. Yeah, right <laughs> Bye. You guys have a good day. Thank you.